Welcome to the HIV and Adolescent Podcast. And here is your host, Chisoni Banda. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to the second day of the International Workshop on HIV and AIDS Adolescents 2021. Uh, this is your host, Chisoni Banda, and with me this afternoon, I'm joined by two ladies and young man. So on my left, there is a lady. Could you please introduce yourself? Hello, viewers. My name is Limpo Imboela, and I'm from Sat Zambia, and I'm happy to be a part of uh, the podcast today. Hello, viewers. I'm Blayson Bander from Zambet. I'm, I'm very much happy to be part of the viewers today. Um, good afternoon to everybody. I am Chapanga Sipola. I'm currently studying medicine and surgery at Levi Manawasa Medical University, and I Hope my insight today will be helpful to everybody listening. Uh, thank you very much, guys, for the wonderful introduction. So today we had a number of topics that we had um, listened to as well as had, um, interacted on with other people. So um, first of all, in the first session, we had advocacy as one of the topics that... Um, we had talked about starting with you, um, Limpo. How do you perceive advocacy? I think for, uh, for me, advocacy is just something that it's a goal in which we can uh, represent people better. It's more about representation and uh, pleading a cause of someone else. And it takes a lot of, um, of course, know how you have to have a, have, have a lot of knowledge and insight about the situation. It's not talking from without, but you have learned about it. You know about the situation, and you can actually uh, add uh, a good perspective towards it. I think it. I think for me, that's what advocacy is. It's just looking at a situation uh, so you can make it. You can make other people understand about it more. Yeah, I think to my own perspective, advocacy is standing in between a problem and a solution. Like, you have to know, as Limpo said, you have to know what you're talking about. You shouldn't be talking from without, but you have to be a speaker who talks from within so that people should be able to understand. Yes. Um, like the ladies who preceded before me, um, in a practical example, you have to come in between a situation and a solution. You have to get your facts in facts right, have your research in order, so that when you are advocating or rep representing someone in that situation, which is being like an advocate, which is an advocate, if you have your research in order and have no properly know the, the problem at hand, you'll be able to probably provide the solution so that everybody who needs to be involved is aware of the situation that you are coming in for. Um, thank you very much for that. So, um, as you put it, um, you, at what level do you think uh, the level of advocacy in Zambia is? What level do you think advocacy is in Zambia? Starting you with your uh, blessings. Um, I think the level of advocacy in Zambia, uh, in my own perspective, I feel there's more to be done, 
to a lot, a lot of young people have to have more information because you know advocacy is not about you just opening a, a first book page and then you just start talking about different things that's not how advocacy is you have to have more information as uh, my brother said here you have to gather information you have to be a learned you have to know okay if i if i speak this because you know um you being an advocate you are you are you are you are um I can say you're a source, and probably the audience is uh, is the receiver. So you have to to have you have to gather more information so that as you display it to the audience, people should be able to understand you. Yes. I heard you mentioning something like for you to be an advocate, you have to be learned. So does it mean that only learned people can be ad uh, advocates? Limpo. No, no, actually, you don't have to have a degree per se. I feel it has to come with, uh, you have to really know your stuff. I think that's what it is. You have to really research about it. If you, if I come to uh, with a course to you and say, oh, we should end early child marriage, and you'd be like, uh, why? I should be able to answer why. The effects, uh, the disadvantages of it. Yeah. If there are any advantages, I should be able to answer that. You know, it's not just looking at it objectively, you understand? So you really have to get, you really have to know your stuff in short. So you can speak of, because you're a go-between, you're representing someone. So definitely, there's that level of which you have to have uh, a lot of information on, on the situation. All right. uh, so um, looking at um, advocacy, um, do you think one should belong to a certain organization uh, for, for that person to be an advocate? And maybe just to, to answer, maybe as you'll be answering that question, um, of course our dear listeners would want to know the difference between activism and advocacy. Um, how about you, man? Um, first of all, I would like to say, before I get into the difference between advocacy and activism, as I have learned about today, um, I would like to say the first thing is you have to be committed. For you to be an advocate, you have to be committed, believe in the cause that you're starting, and have an end in mind, a view of what you want to achieve. So in part, I've even answered the difference between activism and advocacy. For activism, there is like no end in sight. When you, you see something, you criticize. Whatever situation comes up, you can criticize in that order. But let's say for an advocate, let's say we, un we want to end teenage pregnancy and marriages, and we sp set a specific percentage of people that we want to target or an end goal in sight, number of people that we want to reach, if we reach that target, then we have advocated how our target has been reached and like our goal has been met. So as an advocate, your work is done. You can move on to the next vision that you want to achieve. Just to add on to what he has said, um, activism is... It's a continuous process, as you say, that when you see something, you criticize. When you see this, you criticize. But uh, for advocacy, advocacy, you end on a certain provision. For example, if you are, you are, you are advocating over teenage pregnancy, you, you, you even have goals. So you need to have objectives and you also need to have goals. Like, where are you supposed to end? Yes. So um, 
looking at everything that you've said, uh, one can say that, okay, like from my own observation, I've noted that most of the activism and advocacy programs are based along the line of rail. I don't know if you've noticed. So places like Livingstone, uh, Lusaka, Kabwe, Copper Belt, these are the only uh, provinces uh, or areas that are mainly, mainly benefit from advocacy here in Zambia. So how about these other um, towns? How best do you think we can help them so that we can have proper advocacy, so that we can have a proper um, uh, issues being resolved? Because in the first place, you may find that most of the challenges that these people face are the challenges that has put Zambia on the map of um, maybe having uh, such problems. For example, teenage pregnancies and early marriages. Areas like Chipata, Petauke, uh, Chadiza, those are the areas that are experiencing such challenges. And you find that such areas are lacking proper advocacy. So what are some of the causes that uh, has made such areas not to have proper advocacy activities? Limpo. Well, I think it also comes down to us as the partners as well as the stakeholders. We have a lot to do in ensuring that people uh, people's needs are met or there's a response for that. Uh, we need more trainers as well to go into these fields and even more research, you know, because every time there's a different problem. And I, I think the issue that we have also is we're using old methods for new problems. And the world keeps on changing, keeps on evolving, and we're still using the same systems. And so it's not working. And people would be trying as much as they could to fight uh, a certain challenge, and they would just give up in the end. Ah, well, this is the situation without really putting much effort. What is the situation here? What can we do better? I feel that that's, uh, that's even a better way of curbing the situation. Why, if, in, if, uh, if the uh, uh, teenage pregnancies are still going or escalating, if there's still early marriage, what can we do better? I feel like that's the way, because to people now, it's just sounding like, oh, these are just statistics, Eastern provinces the way it is, Northern provinces the way it is, but without saying, okay, why is it the way it is? What can we do better for our country, for example. So I feel we need new methods and it shouldn't just be a hearsay type of situation. We just need to be more active and really ensure that we find a way of keeping and keeping the situation even uh, evolving or transforming our strategies. Yeah. Um, just to add on a little bit on the point that you raised, um, using odd methods in situations that keep on evolving. Um, I think I alluded to a point earlier, saying commitment. The, the old generation, like our parents and people within their generation, weren't, um, weren't in the forefront for such problems because probably maybe there are some of their, within their age group, who are creating such problems, such as the same early marriages that you brought about, about in the villages um, or areas where advocates haven't really tapped into that environment, you find that the gener older generations are the people who are in the forefront of such problems. So I think it comes down to commitment with the youth of nowadays so that our age group can look at that problem find proper solutions and be at the forefront in that team to change that trend of thought so that we can move forward. Um, 
Thank you very much on that. So um, looking at the year 2020, uh, we have what we call comprehensive sexuality education in our schools. And uh, some church mother bodies thought of uh, hurting the activity of um, sensitizing or educating young people over the sexuality education. So um, how do you think that had affected advocacy in Zambia? Starting with the blessings. I think the issue that happened last year in 2020 about uh, comprehensive sexuality education, to remove it, so to say, knew it really affected advocacy in such a way. I'll first talk about the negatives. Um, I think the reasons why they thought of of removing the, the issue of uh, comprehensive sexuality education, um, other parents, like, they don't allow, because they feel maybe... Like comprehensive sexuality education is just about sex and you know like sex is a taboo in many countries and in many communities and what you would find is you would um, like parents think maybe when somebody is being taught about sex it's just about porn and um, there are a lot there are other stakeholders who wanted uh, comprehensive sexuality education to continue in school but you know some other parents because you can attest with me literally speaking there are other parents who can't sit with their children to start talking about sex. And for example, if somebody like the issues of, men, uh, of menstrual hygiene, when somebody, um, probably a parent or a, or a mother, can't really sit down to start talking about the issues of menstrual hygiene. You know, because I feel we are still living in the old, in the old, in the issues of norms and traditions. I feel that's the reason why the issues of um, Comprehensive sexuality were being, were being, were being undertaken. Yes. Limpo, maybe answering the, the same question, like how do you think the hurting of comprehensive sexuality education had um, affected advocacy in Zambia? Yeah, it really did. It really did because um, people are really working hard. Number one, it really affected their efforts, and I think it had its positives and its negatives in a way that people had to rethink and reflect and say, okay, if people think this is bad, what are we doing wrong? Where can we go and what, what can we change? Because the issue here is not it's, not, it's not a fight, it's not a debate. That's what it's not. We're just trying to help and ensure that young people are safe, are safeguarding the, the, uh, the lives of young people. So I think for us, it's, it, it, was a, it, was, it was a more of reflection for us because they are not understanding. And our issue here is for them to understand the importance of SRHR. Because like our blessing said, she said, it's now, we're now living in a different time where, uh, you know, when young, girls were younger in the villages, 13 years old, they were married. They were married off and there were issues, isn't it? But now 13 years, maybe the mom is not there, the auntie is not there, no one is there to even talk to them. So they, they, they are, and it's easier for them to have access to a lot of information which is wrong because of social media and the internet and whatnot. So they will learn about uh, these issues even without telling them. And they'll learn about it. They won't even think about it correctly because there's no one to guide them. So I feel like for us, that's what it was. We wanted a, a level of guidance for young people because we know, we know very well that uh, who we are is, is about of what, of, what, of what we know. And obviously, in just safeguarding the lives of young people, I feel for us, that's why it was, was just a way of reflecting. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. So maybe just uh, from what you've said, Limpo, do you think the community out there is really clear about the concept of compressive sexuality education? No, not really. I think if they wanted to hold it, I don't think they would have halted it if they were very clear about it. Like, you know, just uh, the misconceptions or uh, teaching children about sex alone without the whole, pro it's a whole process. It's a process from until, it's a process of adulthood. Yeah, teaching a child at each step. And you know, when you talk about SRHR, we're not just talking about going point black and just say sex. No, it's age appropriate information. When a child is this age, what do you tell them? What do they need to know that they're this age now until they are growing to that part of maturity? So I feel we just have to work hard and ensuring that these people understand, uh, where the parents understand, the teachers understand, that the community understands, because like I said, it's not a debate. We just want to help young people understand themselves. That's what it is. The whole hotting of CSE is putting down a program that already has challenges from the start. Because in my opinion, I don't know if the rest of the ladies share it with me, advocacy in Zambia about such issues is in infancy. You, because we have parents who don't want to talk about these issues with us. They will refer us to our grandparents. And you know, if you haven't built a connection with them, you won't be comfortable bringing out such issues. So the whole halting of this comprehensive sexuality education was a situation that will that will impacted and it's not like the situation will be the overall situation and its impact will be seen here and now there's still if the effect is still ongoing and we'll see it in the future because we can maybe conduct surveys on how many people acquired HIV STIs during that same period that the program was in jeopardy and being halted we can look at that and see the effects going forward. Because if someone gets HIV, obviously, it's a condition that they will start dealing with going forward. So I believe it was like halting a situation that's helping going forward because of norms and values and customs and traditions of the past generation. Thank you very much on that. Okay, so uh, another thing that, um, like, on my part, what uh, what I learned, especially from the people that um, wanted us to hold the um, to hold the CSE, is the fact that they thought or they had a say um, to say that um, the people that have been teaching young people CSE are not fully trained. What's your take on that, <laughs> Limpo? Well, you know. Teachers actually go for training for uh, comprehensive sexuality education. They actually go for training. Uh, we have youth-friendly spaces where young people, I myself, I'm a peer educator, where we, uh, we go for training, like extensive training. Like the way we are here at this workshop, we are training, we are learning. Obviously, no one knows everything, but at least we have that level of understanding and say, okay, what are the basics? And even for me as a young person, especially, it's even important for a young person to be a peer educator because you know what your friends are going through. 
the older generation, you know, you, there'll be that level of, uh, you feel intimidated to talk to someone, you think they'll judge you, and they will, actually. <laughs> you know, such situations, you can't really talk to them about certain situations. So I feel this initiative of uh, young or youth-friendly spaces or young uh, fellow young people being... Uh, being peer educators is actually good because I'm able to talk to my friend, you understand? So maybe if you look at it from that perspective, but who else to understand the struggles of a young person and a young person themselves? So for us, yes, we are trained and this is what we, had, uh, we learn. We learn how to deal with, uh, and if we, with uh, our fellow young people and even deal with ourselves as well. And if we have any situations that we can't handle, obviously we, we have referrals who we talk with, our doctors who we refer our friends to. We don't have PhDs, but yes, we we know who to refer to if something is beyond us. Yeah. I feel like I'm intervening at one point, <laughs> but um, first of all, I think it's a situation where youths are supposed to be in the forefront because, as she said, as Limpo said, um, who better to understand the situation than you're going through you're, that you're going through than someone who's within your age group it would be easier for me to talk to a friend who will totally understand because they're within my age group, how they're feeling, I'm feeling, how, what I've felt, they've probably felt it. And they'll be more committed to helping me in that situation. So at least if young people venture into learning about comprehensive sexual education and in the long run, they'll, they'll help others within the same age group because you can be able to understand and talk to someone who is in your age group because they will not be condescending in how they're talking to you because you know that they're within your age group and obviously totally understand what you're going through. Thank you very much. Uh, so this is the, we are having the second session of our um, international workshop on HIV and AIDS. Um, and we are basically talking about comprehensive security education today, as well as advocacy. And uh, maybe just before we conclude with our um, podcast for today, um, do you think at some point as young people who failed to handle compre uh, comprehensive security education in, uh, in schools? Starting with you, Blessings, you've been so quiet for some time. <laughs> do you think... We as young people have failed to handle the situation of uh, comprehensive sexual education in schools. Okay, Limpo, you don't respond? Have we failed to handle the issue of... Well, and the education part, maybe I feel like um, we just need more people, you know, to give more information about it. You know, it's, it's more difficult to uh, be in a private institution and have this type of information there. And like maybe the government institutions where it's a lot easier for people to come and, you know, at least the level of interaction is more there. So I think maybe when it comes to us, when you talk about it, is it personally us listening to this information and acting on it? Or uh, people from outside or maybe say organizations or partners working towards it? Is it, is it the people who are failing or the partners? My question was basically, yeah, ask people, because we are the key stakeholders in this um, this whole thing. Do you think we as young people had failed in any way? Because, you know, for these people to come up with the, 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 the plan or the idea of what in this, uh, this, this whole program, I think at some point, of course, we, we had failed. So do you think we as young people 
you coming from an organization that deals with SRHR, do you think we as young people at some point failed? A man would want to help you. <laughs> um, I'd like to say maybe the platform that have been set up for us to to express ourselves are not there. Then on top of that, we, of course, as in Africa, traditions, customs, forbid us from coming out into the open. So we haven't really failed. We can have setups where we as youths talk about it within ourselves, but the people who, who can empower us into making proper change ha are not interested. So I think it, you can put it as 60-40, uh, where 40% is on us, or maybe less than that. Then the 60% is on those who have, shut, who have tried to shut down such important topics. I, so, okay, somehow, you know, I'm not going to say we failed, we didn't fail, because I think if you're doing something and someone acknowledges what you're doing, it means you're doing something. At least even if it's important to even have criticism, you see, we now know, okay, where do we need to, you know, go, where do we need to, you know, do this and that, some touch-ups here, and I don't think we have failed, guys, we are working, we are working, so... I don't think we failed. We just need to, you know, improve or change our strategies here and there. But I don't think we failed. Okay. So um, maybe because <laughs> this topic is now, you know, getting hotter and hotter. Okay. So um, maybe uh, away from us being young people, and then we have the government coming in place. So how do you think the government can help us to build up? Um, such programs in our societies so that even as um, time comes, we won't be able to, to have challenges of them hurting uh, um, such a program. So like, how do you think the government can help us to build such programs in our societies? Blessings. I think how the government should help us, they should show particular interests because, you know, most of the times we young people, we can come up with something on the table and the primary, the, the primary audiences or the primary stakeholders, they show no interest to it. So I feel they should just, they should really show that particular interest to what young people really want. Because, you know, we young people, um, like we do have a lot. Yeah, and we're the ones who are, who are facing these issues. And you can attest with me that HIV, like HIV is mostly, like they've discovered that uh, the issues of HIV are mostly in young people than adults. So when, uh, when young people come up with issues on the table, they should pay particular attention to what young, at least they should hear the opinions of young people. We as young people, like you've said, we are also stakeholders in this um in fact, are the key stakeholders. And uh, do you think at some point we have a listening ear from the government officials to hear from us? Or at some point, did they engage us or did, did you see them engaging young people before they even thought of hurting this program here in Zambia? Okay, I might be speaking from without here, but I believe if there was representation, it was not appropriate or they entirely left us out because um, if they did actually listen, there is proper outcry from from youths, not only from like us talking about it, even the even the effects themselves. That's an outcry. The effects were 
we can talk about HIV rising, um, teen pregnancies, those kinds of things, STIs. That's an outcry in itself. So if they looked at the statistics and maybe had a conference about it set up where um, we have representation before they actually came to that decision, I think they, are, they wouldn't have brought up that issue of cancelling or hurting it altogether. Uh, starting with you, Limpo, what are your um, last remarks for this um, show that we have had? Well, I'd like to say thank you for having me on this show. It's always a joy to speak uh, for young people and be a young person myself. I think there just needs to be a lot of uh, communication and partnerships between the government and the young people because, like we like to say, there's nothing for young people without the young people themselves. And looking around and saying, what really is needed? We can't turn a blind, blind eye towards the needs and the issues that we're facing. So we always need to uh, have that level of partnership and also communicate. Because I feel like there's a lot, a lot of mis miscommunication and a lot of uh, misconceptions. So I feel like we just need to work hand in hand and understand one another. That's what I would say. My last words are, I'm very much happy to be part of this International HIV Adolescent Workshop and have learned a lot and still learning. And what I can say is I feel there's more to be done. Like there's really more to be done for these key issues to be heard out there. Um, I'd like to say thank you for having me. And one of my last comments would be like, I believe... If, they, if there are several youth-headed programs or one major body where, which will be recognized by people in charge so that we can have programs like these where youths are involved, heavily involved so that they can bring out their issues, um, maybe appropriate funding is put in place so that programs like these can flourish because it's not only HIV, and even though this is, it, this is the main focus of our workshop right now, it's not only HIV that's impacting on us. So there are mental health issues, things that have been pushed to the side, because it's not normal for us to talk about it. So if we have like bodies that are set up for us where we can give our views, several platforms like that, which are acknowledged by people in power, I think we'll go places with this. Um, thank you very much. This has been an awesome show. Hoping that um, we'll have so many questions coming on Facebook as well as um, Vice Radio, that's our online streaming platform. And this has been Chisoni Banda with the crew.